It's good to be here. I'm excited. I've been counting the days and the weeks on end to be with you. And, and um, I just want to honor your pastor. And I know maybe you think this is the stuff we have to do to say nice things about each other. We don't have to, but we want to. Because somebody needs to tell you who your pastor is where your eyes cannot see. And I can tell you where your eyes cannot see your pastor and his wife are incredible blessings, deeply in love with people's church. Their every breathing conversation is about God's desire of well-being over your life and their desire to see Christ being formed in you. So I can tell you this. I love your pastor not only as a, an associate, but as a friend. We've come to know him. We've been hanging out. You know when you've said everything that, you've, that you ever can say? And then you start talking because that's the real you that comes out. I've heard he's real you and I like it a lot and you should too. So I just want to honor him and his wife. Would you just put your hands together? So, so I'm really excited uh, to talk to you about the blessed life. Now I'm going to pray uh, that the Holy Spirit would come and do something quite phenomenal in our hearts here today. Can we pray together? Is that cool with you? Father God, right now I pray in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will invade every breathing moment, every word that's been spoken. Oh God, you know that unless you do something phenomenal, we drift off, we, we, we just go numb in our minds. We have eyes, but we cannot see, ears, but we cannot hear, minds that are just hardened with life. But I pray, Father, that you would come in Jesus' name. I pray that you would just awaken our hearts, that those who feel that they have failed you again and again and again will be drawn close to your love this morning. I thank you that those who feel that they are at the top of the mountain will be celebrated by your grace this morning. God, above it all, I know that Jesus loves us and he knows us by name. Thank you that your love is beyond our tantrums. Thank you that your love is beyond our doubt. Thank you. Your love is beyond what we believe and not believe. Thank you that you love us, oh God, in Jesus' name. And thank you that you are merciful over our stupidities, oh God. You are merciful. I'm so thankful for that in Jesus' name. And everybody shouts, amen. I'm going to ask if I can get a little bit more sound on stage. I feel kind of short, and that's unrealistic. Um, if I can get a little bit taller on stage, that would be awesome. Thank you. So I want to tell you about where I live. I live in upstate New York, about an hour's drive from Niagara Falls. It's very different from here. Uh, yesterday, I went walking in the city with a T-shirt on, and there were people with coats. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? It's, you have no idea, cold. We go like minus 17. That's cold. When you spit and it becomes ice, that's cold. But what is beautiful about Rochester is we have a lot of trees, lots, 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 lots. And the leaves are as big as your hand. And it looks like this time of the year that God woke up in heaven. He never sleeps. It's not in the Bible. Don't your friend say it's not in the Bible. He never sleeps. But in my mind, he woke up and he, all he had, the angels gave him yellows, reds, and browns. And God goes like, let me just get rid of this paint. And he threw it on our trees. It's the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. And then you've got to rake the leaves. And that's the most terrible thing in the whole wide world. But what I love about fall is fire pits. I don't know if you do fire pits here. But we love fire pits. 
when you make a big old bonfire outside and you do s'mores. You know what s'mores? God bless America. That's all I'm going to tell you. S'mores. You haven't lived. Google it. S'mores. Do it. You'll never be sorry ever again. And what's awesome about sitting around a fire eating s'mores, you can get your whole face full of chocolate and marshmallow. Nobody tells you to clean up. Your wife doesn't do the eye thing with you like clean up your fire. It's just awesome. I love watching the fire and all the talking around it, but making that fire where I live is really hard. I live in a wooded area, and for some reason, the wood is always wet. And you know that water is an enemy of the fire. The fire is always going to win, but man, it is a chore to make fire at my house. Why am I telling you this? Because you see, I read something interesting they say that faith is you and I know it. The worship that we experienced this morning. The reality of Jesus and Him crucified and resurrected in me. Life change. Born again as a reality and not a sticker on a bumper. I mean Christ crucified as you and I know it. Everything we hold dear is one generation away from extinction. That means if my children... Do not catch the fire that lives inside of me. Their children will not know what I think is common sense. In other words, the way we worship, if my kids don't get it, my grandchildren will go like, what do you mean they raised their hands and sang songs? That's stupid. Why would they do that? And I'm here to tell you that I believe in all of my heart a blessed life is a life that is marked by leaving a spiritual legacy in the heart of their children and their children's children. So, so let me take you down this journey, which I believe is worth it. So I, I looked at the word legacy. So I went to the, to the dictionary and I found legacy means something handed down from an ancestor or a predecessor in the past. It's like inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever you talk about inheritance, my dad's 80. I think he's going to live a long time. But whenever they talk about wills and inheritance, and he says, I'm going to leave you that, and I'm going to leave you that. You know what I say in my head? I won't tell him. It's like, forget that. Just show me the money, baby. Just forget it. I don't want your books. I don't want your blazer that comes out of, I don't want your school ring. Just like eBay it. Just show me the money. You know what I mean? I can decide what to do with that other stuff. But I want to say this to you. It is a very sad thing that if the only thing we worry about is giving esteem and, and stuff and garage sales to our children, which, by the way, is very biblical. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. In other, in other words, I'm here to tell you God wants to bless you so that long after you're gone, your children's children will point to you as a source of their well-being. I believe it in all my heart, but I'm here to tell you that blessed, happy, and envied is a man and woman that understands that there are things in life that is of far greater value than show me the money and all the things that we think we can leave our children. But when they realize that a spiritual legacy that lasts into the foreverness of eternity is of far greater value than anything you can ever imagine in your entire existence. 
There are many voices that will teach our children how to get a job. Listen, they can just switch on the TV and there are many voices that will tell them how to save and make money. But we are running out of voices that will teach them to love Jesus. We are running out of voices that will point them to purity in God. We are running out of voices that will not only point to the right way, but says, follow me and I will show you how it's done. Because I think the big problem that may be going through your mind right now, you look at Pastor Herbert and you look at me and you go like, well, that's your job, isn't it? I'm here to tell you the pulpit's too far from the heart of your children. The pulpit's not there on Tuesday. The pulpit's not there on Wednesday. The, the pulpit is not there when they are challenged in their faith. You are the one that carries that, that flame, that, that burden to see Christ being formed in your, in your children's lives. Listen, my daughter is 16. My son is 15. And all the time, I'm very aware of the fact that I am the one that's responsible to transplant in their heart what is burning on the inside of me, the things that I think is common sense. I can guarantee you the world around my children is constantly pouring the witness of doubt and unbelief in their heart and foolish reasoning. I am fighting a culture that wants to erase Jesus out of the heart of my children and I am the only fire I have and so are you. Ooh, I feel a good preach coming on. I'm telling you that right now. I'm like, where's that organ? You know, I'm like, hmm. Oh, man, I, I actually have an organ here. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it. <laughs> I preach so many times, and I turn around and go like, where's the organ? And there is none, so I've got this real gospel organ. I'm like, man, I'll be my organ too. So let me tell you this. There's four things that I believe that I've got to leave with my children. The very first thing is the legacy of faith. The legacy of faith. The legacy of faith. What do I mean the legacy of faith? Whenever I say faith, usually it is that invisible list of what I believe and don't believe in. And I think that's important. I think it's important for our children to know right and wrong and what we believe and what we don't believe. But I want to say this to you. I believe there is something more important than what you believe and not believe is who you believe in and how who you believe in is changing how you live every day. And when I talk about how you live, it's not right and wrong, but it's the risk you take to do good things and big things for God because you believe He's a promise keeper and because He holds your hand, you can go on journeys where only the courageous will go that has an unshakable faith in a promise-keeping God. So, so let, me, let me try and throw it to you this way. In Cooperstown, New York, there is the Baseball Hall of Fame. Do you know where the Football Hall of Fame is? Canton, Ohio, right? But in Hebrews chapter 11, you find the Faith Hall of Fame. He's talking about a whole bunch of people here. And just so you know, I, I do not understand uh, American sports yet. I've been in the country 13 years. I'm a citizen. And this year, I can vote. God bless America. I'm ready. I'm going to vote. I want to vote and make a citizen's arrest. You know what I mean? Like, all in one year. So, so what I'm trying to tell you is, you never go to the football hall of fame. You go like, who's this? And they go like, we don't know. They flipped a coin and he got in. It doesn't work that way. Everybody has got a legendary story, right? So in the same way, in Hebrews eleven thirty-two, it talks about people like Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. 
And then he says in verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle. I love this. And they put whole armies to flight and their women received the loved ones back from the dead. I don't know about you. When I read that, I go like, I want to be one of those. But right now, I feel like a loser reading that. Don't look at me that way. You haven't raised the dead now, have you? You haven't let armies run from that, right? I read at this and go like, God, come on. Throw me a bone. I, where do we fit in this picture? But this is what I love about the Bible. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Because the next word is, but... But others were tortured. Verse 36. They were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. That sounds like a real loser right there. Others were killed with swords. I read it and I go like, their faith didn't work well now, did it? Because the ones that shut the mouths of the lion, those are the ones... Their faith worked, but the ones who got eaten by the lion, like Mufasa, like something went wrong here. But then the Bible says in verse 39, but all these people, can you say all these people? No, 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 say it again, all these people. For us, the winners and the losers earned a good reputation because of their faith. I love that. You know what I realized? We as people always focus on the outcome of the journey. We always go, so like, what happened at the end? God doesn't care about the end. God cares that you go on the journey because you believe in Him. Isn't it amazing that the story of legends is in the journey, not in the destination? Isn't it amazing? God doesn't want to know, are we going to fail or succeed? He goes like, do you trust me enough to go on the journey? Do you trust me enough to start things and believe in things? Even if you're going to fail, let's take the journey because legacy is born in the journey, not in the destination. So here's my question. Are you doing great things for God that your children can point to and say, my dad has lost his mind, but he says it's because he believes in an unshakable God. He's failed four times and he's got to start again. I don't know about his business sense, but I know about his faith. He's not going to stop because he keeps saying God is a promise keeper and I'll never forget that as long as I live. How are you living because of who you believe in? So let me talk to you about worship. Can you shout worship with me? Oh, come on, shout it like you love it. Worship. Now you know worship for us is about singing songs. Worship for us is about the expression of our love for God. And that is great. But I think one of the biggest things that I've got to leave with my children is how God is worshipped. So let, let me speak to men in this moment. Men and women, you can amen any time in support of me, okay? Just so you know. Men, let me tell you something. Do you know that the way that you love your wife is setting the bar how your son's going to love his wife? Okay, so, so let me explain this to you. Remember when you were in love, right? And your, your girlfriend comes in the room and you watch football and all of a sudden you go like, Oh, there she is. Ah. And your buddies go like, dude, get a job. Like, what is up with this? You're like, I can't help myself. When she comes into the house, 
and my heart moves. Lover, 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 lover. But then 15 years later, she's having an epileptic fit in front of you and you don't move. Why? Because somehow your affection has been cooled down. I keep telling my wife when we walk in the mall, do not hold my hand like you're my wife. I want people to think we're having an affair right now. Hold it. When you kiss me, I want more security to come and go like, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Don't pick me on my, don't hug me like a cousin. Don't. I can go to cousins for cousin hugs. I want the kids to come in the room and go like, oh, please get a room. I, I, I want my son to forever know this is how you treat the object of your affection. When she comes in the room, Jack, you get up. When, when, when she comes in the room, you know everything's up. When you, you give your mama some lip, you're dealing with all of me and all of her. I'm coming down on you. Why are you touching the object of my affection in the same way, the way I worship? God and the way I respond to his presence is showing my children the worth that I have for the living God listen I love the scripture Jesus said about a woman that took it right over the top with her worship they go like well wow why, why did she do that Jesus says he who has been forgiven much love much and I've got to tell you at times in Sundays in church when I look at people I go like God the problem with us is we have forgotten where you have brought us from we have become sophisticated in our righteousness we go like oh I'm not so bad so I'll throw you like a hold the baby hold the baby hold the baby because I, I used to be all out for Jesus but now it's Sunday and I'm tired I'll like hold the baby hold the baby worship Come on, I, I want to say this to you. Listen, when you remember where God takes you from, let me tell you, when you understand that we, when you were lost and wretched without Jesus, His saving grace came. His love came. He gave me what I did not deserve again and again and again. And when it's time to love Him, I do not hold the baby I reach my hand out and I set the bar of my affection high. And when my children are there, they can never ever wonder, does my dad love Jesus? Ooh, is this good preaching? I know it is. I'm going to stick it to you some more. Because at the end of the day, I want to say this to you men. Some of us need to just get over ourselves. We say, well... My father never touched my mother publicly, so I oh my. break the rule. Break the rule because you know more than anything in our culture. We have got to put it on really thick because everything tries to pull it apart. Love your bride. Love your bride. Love your bride. Love your bride and love your Savior publicly so that we set the bar of our affection high as it is. Ooh, I love this preaching. I need my organs, so let me keep going. So let me talk to you about generosity. Can you shout generosity? Generosity. So, so let's talk about somebody else's money. Would you first pump your neighbor and say, we can talk about your money right now. Just first pump your neighbor like it's your money. Now you shout generosity. Come on, shout generosity. Yeah, it's a lot easier when it's somebody else's money. So generosity talks about being liberal, open-handed, bounty, and lavish. I love this. 
So I've come to this revelation in my own life. I'm going to back off a little bit if I can get a little bit more sound. Sorry, I'm shouting. Too much coffee, I think. Um, whenever I give to God like I pay taxes, I complain. Because I know about you, when I pay my taxes, I run the country in my head. What are they going to do with this money? They don't need my money. You know what they should just, they waste all the money anyway. So what are they going to do? They better fix the road in front of my house if I pay this money. Because you know it's my money and I'm giving it. You know, the, you know how you run the country in your head? Oh, it's just me? <laughs> right? It's true. Whenever you have a traffic violation, of course I don't. Um, you have traffic violation, you go like, oh, who made the rules anyway? Who said you can only go 55? Don't they know we have real lives and real emergencies? You know what I mean? Just like, oh, because I see that at times when I see it as an obligation, I go like, what are they going to do with this money? What if the church don't need it? Did you see they've got a new light up there? I wonder how much that light costs. Why don't they need it? Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? But you know, I never complain that way when I put money in a retirement account. I don't. I know about you. Because I'm planning Boca Vista, baby. I'm bass boat. Herbert and I'm going to go fish. I don't even think he can. I'll teach him. We're going to hang out, talk about nothing all day long, send postcards to our children that says, told you so. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I am putting money away for a long time of nothing. I don't go like, well, I don't know. I don't do that. I'm like, a retirement account, investment account. I'm happy to put money away where it earns interest and it's going to come back at me. But then I heard scripture says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, I'm going to take you through a journey here really quick. I love this journey. Deuteronomy 15 verse 10 in the message paraphrase. Come on, I want you to read with me under your breath. It goes like this. Give freely and spontaneously. Don't have a stingy heart. The way you handle matters like this triggers God. Your God's blessing in everything you do. All your work and all your ventures. I've got to say something. Wait, wait. I know that some of you were raised very hard. Poor comes to mind. Some of you were raised in an environment where there was nothing. But God has blessed you, but you still treat your blessed life like you're stuck in poverty. I want to say this to you. I understand some parents raise their kids out of the Great Depression, but I've got great news for you. The Great Depression is over. God wants you to become the one that says it used to be this way, but now it's like this. Because at the end of the day, listen to what Scripture says here in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And on the screen, right? Can you read that out loud with me? Really, really loud. Here we go. It says this, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 9, as the scripture says, they shared freely and gave generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 11, check it out. Yes, you will be rich in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your generous gift to those in need, they will thank God. So I can always determine generosity really quickly by the way people pay gratuity at a restaurant. Have you seen people with that gratuity app? They go like, okay, it's gratuity. First, they sweat it out who's going to pay. Then they get the gratuity app. They go like, okay, how much is it in this state? 
40%. She didn't smile. That's like 0.2% minus. Did I smell some BO over there? That's like 0.9 minus. She, did she bring your, did she refold your minus 17%? Who knows somebody like that? Shout amen. And you go like, mm, I give you let, let me tell you something. What if I tell you that that waitress is a single mom that works two jobs? What if I tell you she has lost her smile two years ago when her husband walked out on her? What if I tell you that last night she was on her knees and say, God in the heavens, if you are able to provide, I pray that you will provide because I'm desperate. What if I told you that you were sitting there eating that meal because you were there on a God mission? What if I tell you that what God has provided in your life, you know the extra 20 in your pocket? It's yours, and I'm sure you can find a reason for it. But God provided for a divine reason, and the divine reason was late with your refill. She didn't smile, and there was some B.O., but that's okay because God knows that you have a trustworthy heart with an open hand because in that moment when it happens, God says, I will not give her what she deserves. I will give her what she needs, and you are the hands and the feet and the heart of a living God. The question is, can God... God trust you. God gives you 20 and you spend it. And you go like, oh God, would you supply my need? No, I will not, you stingy thing, you. <laughs> you cannot ask God for more if you are not faithful in giving. If you are not generous, generous with what is left over, I'm here to tell you I love my kids, but the moment they become takers in life, I withhold the good that they need so that I can teach their hearts to become generous because I do not want them to become that kind of person. And I'm here to tell you, generosity is something that we've got to leave in the heart of our children giving to God and giving to people is something that our kids never need to wonder about when it's time to pay I always lean over to my son and say you work it out and you tell me how much God wants us to bless this person with one time he said to me 50 bucks and I go like actually in my heart like actually 10 is my limit baby But now I can't do that. I'm a Christian dad. I go like, okay, God, bless you, Jesus. Afterwards, I said to him, one day when it's your money, would you give 50? I said, because like I had to give 50 because you believed, you obeyed. Never forget when it's your moment, obey, even if it hurts. Because God will always give you enough and more than you need so that you can become a blessing to those around you. That's the way God rolls again and again and again. And I don't know about you, but I want to be part of that party right there. So let me talk to you about the last thing. Say, thank you, Jesus. The last thing is service. Serving. Let me tell you about our culture. I can only speak personally of the culture that we are in. Our culture is defined by who serves and who gets to serve. I don't know about you, but I see this trend happening all over that those with affluence and influence and high education usually are served by those who don't have any of that. There is some kind of a look in somebody's eyes that just says, I deserve to be served because I have 
and you need to serve me. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? Even though he was equal with God, he set all of that aside and he took on the humility of a servant because here's the deal. When you are still the most important in your world, you are missing the point of what God has called you to be. The Bible says if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. That's why I love church, man. I love when lawyers and doctors and surgeons are showing people where to park and they go like, he's a what? Yeah, he has a revelation and understanding that we are here to serve. It's not what I do in life. It's what God has saved me to become, a servant of humanity. And when we go down, God's presence rise up over our lives. And I'm here to tell you, I seek the reward of his presence more than I do the temporary accolade of humanity. Because Jesus chose the path of serving. And I love what he says in Mark 10, 45. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. Oh, I love that. I want to say this to you. Let our children never doubt where greatness lies. Because greatness is when you roll up your sleeves and you serve people who do not deserve it, but they need it because we're the hands and the feet. Man, it's good preaching this stuff. The hands and the feet of the living God. So let me close with this story. So in my backyard, I told you about the s'mores and everything, right? I have gone through so many of these. You guys call them Coleman. We call them Bigs. And I... I have literally at times thought, let me just buy five of these time together and just light them. Because this is a tentative flame right here. I I can actually put it out pain-free. Don't try this at home. I'm trained, highly trained. (laughs) You sneeze and it's gone. This doesn't bring fire to wet wood. Now I'm going to show you something, but don't do this at home. You're going to see it, then you're going to forget it. Don't go do it. Don't buy what I'm going to show you. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not do this. Only in Rochester, highly trained pastor can do this. I have one of these, baby. I don't mess around. Try and blow this out. It will burn your lips off. I put that wood together and I go like, you think you wait? You think you're bad? (laughs) Suck you up. We're going to have s'mores tonight whether you want or not. Why? Because you see, this is a tentative fire. (laughs) There is no way that I can leave a spiritual legacy in my life and that of my children if I burn with a tentative fire. Burn. You're spoiling the whole thing. There is no way that I can have tentative worship and my kids go, love the way dad worships God. I want to worship just like him. When I throw 25 cents into the offering, my kids are not going to go like, I'm inspired by his generosity. When I serve one Sunday, once a year, they're not going to go like, they're not going to go like, oh, that's the way it goes down. But when I burn with a blazing fire for God. When the world discouraged me, but they can't put me out. 
when the songs are horrible. Have you ever been in a dead church? I was in a church once. And they were worshiping Jesus. And I look around and I'm like, why do people even come to church here? I swear as anything, if everything stops, everybody's going to be in a trance. Then I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. Can you find me in dry places? It's not dead, it's just dry. Can you love Jesus in a dry place? In that moment, I raised my hands. I said, God, let me just be a rainmaker right now. Let me begin to worship you. At least my wife's going to get wet. I don't know about the people behind me and in front of me, but at least my baby is going to get wet. Because wherever I worship with all of my might, I'm making rain. Your children, your grandchildren, needs a spiritual legacy. And you are the flint that can set their hearts on fire. Let's pray.